morning, good afternoon, or good evening, depending on where you are in the world. This is Augie of the Blago Blabber podcast. I would like to welcome everyone to another episode of the show. The All-Star Weekend is done in the NBA. We're ready for the unofficial second half of the season. We got some things to look forward to. I wanted to do some clay talk, some All-Star Weekend talk. I'm trying to squeeze in some other things. I'm doing something I don't recommend uh, other people doing, and I've talked about this many times on my podcast i don't like i don't like recording a podcast without having notes uh today i don't have any notes so i'm kind of freestyling off off the top of the dome as they say um the first thing i wanted to get into actually isn't the all-star weekend which was pretty bad but it is uh golden state warriors and clay thompson's kind of new role i guess with the team coming off the bench uh I have a take on that, and my take is I think that they should stick with this for the rest of the season. I think that they should keep Clay coming off the bench. I think that they've done. I think that they've done too much tinkering this season, where they've gone. Um, where they're gone, where they have gone, with different lineups. Wiggins is in the lineup one day, and then he's out, and then you have. Uh, Pajemski in the lineup, then you have Pajemski move to the bench, then you have Looney starting again, then you have, it's been, I mean, I get it, they're kind of searching for the right formula here to make the playoffs, to at least make the, um, the play-in tournament, but I think it's, it's, it's a bit too much tinkering for me, and I think moving Clay to the bench is the right move. You have a veteran coming off the bench with the young, some of the younger players. I think that Kaminga has been exceptional for them in the last, whatever it's been, 15, 20 games. He deserves to start. Draymond is back, so the defense looks a lot better than it has previously since he was out and even before that. Clay is, I mean, uh, Steph is Steph. And then you have all the other guys who can kind of chip in and uh, give, you, give you some minutes, points, energy, and things like that, like Gary Payton the second and um Moses Moody and and some other guys but I would keep the lineup as is currently constructed so you can't please everyone you've gotten a look at Clay and it's just one game and I realize that and he had a very good game but it's one game he's still gonna have stinkers off the bench but I would rather keep him coming off the bench in that role and I think that main point is I think that Pajemski's deserve to start I think he's had a really good rookie season and I had that being one of the better picks in the draft because I thought he was a perfect replacement for for Clay going forward and Clay struggled this season he's had some really good games and he's had a bunch of games where he hasn't shot well and just hasn't played well overall so I would go with the current lineup that they do have um it's obviously whenever you get moved from the starting five to the bench, it's you've been demoted. But he has to use that as motivation to get better and to continue producing for this team. He's one of the best players in, in the team's history. Obviously, best part of the best backcourt ever. A bunch of titles to their names, lots of good times. But this might be a better role for him right now. If you think forward, so he's a free agent at the end of the season. He could do whatever he likes. Um, 
he's probably not going to get the money that he thought he was going to get like two years ago or even a year ago. He's somewhere in that $20, $25 million a season range, which is still a ton of money. But I think he wanted something like the max last year or something like that. So he's obviously not going to get that. Um, I would stay with this role. Resign with the Golden State Warriors if they're willing to have him back. And I think that they would just because he's how long he's been there for. And if he's willing to accept that new role, and I think you make it clear to him if you do sign him to a new deal. Listen, your role is off the bench now. And if he accepts it, you bring him back. If he doesn't, then maybe you go a different way. And I think that's how the situation should be handled. It, I think it'd be crazy for him to go elsewhere because I have a feeling he would bounce around a lot. He's a player that a lot of playoff teams could use. Like shooting, you can never have enough of in the playoffs. And with a guy with as much experience as him, a lot of teams would want him. So that's something to think about as well. You know, where where would you go next? I know the Lakers, his father played there. I think that'd be a good call if, if he was the, willing to do that. Maybe he would take even a pay cut to play with the Lakers. But I think him playing for the Golden State Warriors his, his entire career would be pretty cool. That's where you start. That's where you finish. Him and Steph. And, you know, except that sixth man of the sixth man role. You know, that's another thing that he can add to his mantle. What if he wins sixth man of the year next next season? He can do it. So that's something I would think about if I was him. He's made more than enough money in his career. Um, and if it's a better better decision for the team, for, for, for chemistry, for what have you, for him to come off the bench, I would seriously think about it. I would seriously think about it. Because this team could still be pretty damn good going forward. So it's something that I would think about. And it's not like other guys haven't been moved to the bench. Like Wiggins, half the season he's been coming off the bench. You got guys like Jamal Crawford who moved to the bench. There's a lot of guys who who were starters in the NBA and then decided to take, you know, a different role. And I get it, Clay's in a bit of a different conversation than those guys because he's won a lot in his career. He's played with one team. He's had some huge games in the playoffs, in the finals. So he's in a bit of a different conversation than those guys, but it's another it's another thing that you can add on to the mantle. Six man of the year. And I think it would be a good move for him if he's willing to accept it. Now, how he'll react is different. I don't know what the Golden State Warriors have planned, if they plan on bringing him off the bench the entire season or whatever's left of the season, but you know, there's definitely going to be a discussion there on on what to do going forward. And if like I said, if I were him, I would I would want to come off the bench. That's just me, though. Um, what I wanted to talk about next. All-Star Weekend. Uh, disaster. So, the dunk contest was as average as ever. Uh, quality of the dunks is not there. I feel like... I feel like it's hard for guys to get creative anymore. Like, it's almost like everything's been done which I don't know if I agree with, but like every dunk contest, every contestant's jumping over someone in the last like 10 years. Started with jumping <laughs> jumping over cars to people, to Shaq, to Taco Fall, to whomever. Like we're getting less creative. And I, I laughed at Jalen Brown and the dunks that he did, but you know what? At least, we, at least he participated. He had fun with it. 
at least he participated. To be fair, I don't think he should have been in the finals, but it is what it is. Mac McClung wins his second in a row from the G League. Even he was kind of, he was decent, but I don't think that he was anything spectacular. I thought Obi Toppin's brother was Justin Toppin. I thought he was really good and surprised me a little bit. I didn't think that he had hops like that. Jaime Jaquez was also, I guess he was decent. Um, but it's it's definitely lost his flair. Like to think that this was the competition that we all look forward to in the late 90s, early 2000s with Vince Carter and Jason Richardson and some of these other guys. Um, as recently as, you know, Zach Levine and Aaron Gordon, that was one hell of a dunk contest. And that's probably the last one. And I remember we were all thinking like, this is, you know, the dunk contest is back. Hopefully we'll get some of the elite guys, the superstars in the league participating in dunk contests, but that didn't happen. Um, so it, it, it's been a dud. The grading of the dunks is horrible. I can't believe that we had so many dunks who that were over like 47. I think every single dunk was over like a 46. When realistically, I would have had maybe one or two that were over like a 47. It's just, it's just crazy. I think that they need to bring some of the dunkers from the mid-2000s to be the judges of the dunk contest. Like the Jason Richardsons, the, you know, Vince Carters, uh, who else was a really good, Steve Francis was a really good dunker too. Some of those guys. And let those guys be the judges. Because we're bringing guys back from an era when, you know, dunking like kind of first started. No offense to them. But that's something that I would, I think that's something that you, how you could tweak the dunk contest. But at the same time, you just need better dunkers. Like Anthony Edwards needs to get into this. I don't know what he's waiting for. The LeBron stuff, I don't, I never really cared for it that much, to be completely honest with you. LeBron's a power dunker. Like, I don't know how much he can really do in a, in a dunk contest. Although he'd still get like 48s, 49s because he's LeBron. But I, I don't, I've never really been one of those guys that really wanted to see LeBron in a dunk contest. So that's my opinion on, on, on that. And how do you improve it? I don't know. I don't know if there is a way to improve it. But the three-point contest was outstanding. The one thing I'll say about the three-point contest is I think there's too many... Um, too many of those like bonus balls that are worth like three points. I think like you have two of them. So that's six points right there. If you nail both of them, like guys in the eighties or nineties didn't have, you know, that to lean on if they miss an entire rack. Well, I can always get it back on the, on the, you know, bonus balls, whatever they're called that are three points each. Plus you have an entire rack of, of money balls. So like the records that the guys set in the eighties or nineties now really don't mean anything because you know, the finals consisted of three guys who had 26. Or was it four? Three or four. So now, I don't know. I, I was just I was just a fan of the old school contest where it's just like, what it was, like the five racks, money ball at the end, and that's that. And we'll, out of the eight guys, we're going to take four and then going to go to finals. And, you know, from there we decided, or whatever the rules were. I, I like that a lot more. I, I'm not a, I'm not a huge fan of this, like the Moneyball stuff. I, I still think that it's a huge draw, though. 
And I like it a lot more than I like the dunk contest now. And the uh, Sabrina Ionescu and the Steph Curry one was outstanding as well. Thoroughly like that. I didn't think, I didn't know if I would, but I thought it was really good. And Sabrina could shoot, man. Like Steph barely beat her. And yes, I get it. She's shooting with a WNBA ball and all this other stuff. But that was, man, she went through a stretch where she made like seven or eight. I was like, holy smokes. So that was, that was a great part about the um, All-Star Weekend. And now is like, do you move the dunk contest below the three-point shooting contest and you leave the three-point shooting contest as the main you know, attraction for, for Saturday night? Celebrity game I didn't watch, but there's some folks who can ball over there too. So I can't really comment on that too much. Michael Parsons won MVP and people keep saying the Cowboys win nothing. Um... So I think that's a that's a thing that they might consider in the NBA, just moving the just flipping the two, where you have the three point shooting contest as the last event and you have the dunk contest um as the second last event. The game itself, honestly I didn't watch a second of it. I saw the score line, I saw how many threes were taken. It's just getting crazy now. Like it really is getting crazy. Um players don't care. This whole thing about adding money adding money to the guy so they would play harder. I mean, would it really make them play harder? Like everyone who makes the all-star team is earning around like 30, 40 million a season. Would a hundred, would 500 K change their minds for some? I think it would, but I think a lot of the guys just don't care. So I don't know what to do in terms of that. I'm all for just canceling it until further notice. Because it's crazy. It's just a, basically a three-point shooting contest and a, and a lineup line. Or a layup line. Sorry. I don't know. So that that's kind of where I'm at with that. I haven't watched the actual game, All-Star game, in three or four years, I would say. If not longer. I just have no interest in it. Just guys shooting three-point shots from half-court, from way past three the three-point line. I mean, they want the, they want the, they want less games in a season. They don't want to play in, in all of their games and they're getting paid more than ever. So that's an issue. But how do you go around it? Like, how do you, if you're Adam Silver, like, what do you do? Like I said, I'm not backing down. I'd rather cancel the all-star game than to, than to actually have it into pay guys and all this other stuff. I think the Pro Bowl was probably the only worse uh, event. The only worse, um, I guess, all-star game, if you want to call it that. And now it's definitely the NBA game. So there's definitely, there's probably, there's ways around it for sure. I mean, I, the people in the NBA offices are definitely putting their heads together and trying to think of a way around this. If there is a way around this, the incentive part, you're just giving into the players if that's what they really want. And I wouldn't do that if I was the NBA. So I think they have some things to think about when it comes to that as well. Um, and yeah, it feels like it feels like the All-Star weekends just get longer and longer. Or worse and worse, sorry. Like, it's just not competitive. Um, 
a lot of people don't watch it. A lot of people don't like the dunk contest. Like I said, the three-point shooting contest is getting better. And like I said, I would move it into that into that main event slot on, on the on the Saturday night. And then, you know, Sunday you could do whatever the heck you want to do with, with the actual All-Star game. If you want to go through with it, if you want to just name starters and the bench players and not play it, I'm cool with that too until you figure out what you really want to do and how you want to go forward with it. I didn't like the whole captains thing, so I actually like the East versus West, the original All-Star game. I'm a fan of that. But the captains and that stuff, I never really liked. The international versus American would be interesting. That would actually be a very interesting game. Because there's there's more than enough um, international players to compete with the NBA guys. So I think that that would actually be an interesting proposition. And I think that that could possibly get the juices flowing a little bit and make guys more competitive because the U S would have to defend their honor and the international guys are coming for the title because then clearly there's, you know, in the top 10, there's probably six or seven international guys that you'd put in the top 10. So that's something I would think about for sure. Going forward, I'd play around with that, with that aspect of it uh, and really think about going hard about that. Uh, lots been made about, the face of the NBA, like we're kind of in this era where we don't really know who the face of the NBA is going forward. Jason Tatum's said that he, you know, he'd love to be the face of the NBA. Um, and that's good that he has that hunger in him. Um, and actually ESPN just put up a video about an hour ago. It said, uh, it's an interview, I guess, with Jason Tatum. He says, I'm the best player in the NBA right now. So you know, he's, he's, he's got some confidence to him, but at some point he's got to start winning, especially if he's going to be the face of the NBA. You can't be the face of the NBA and not win anything. So they got to, they got to start winning. Now the question is, who is the face of the NBA? Do we really need a face of the NBA? So that I'm, I'm not really too, too sure about. Like, do we really need a face of the NBA? I don't know. Have we ever gone without a face of the NBA? As far back as I can remember, no, we haven't. But I feel like the last, the last probably three or four years, we've been kind of faceless, so to say, in the NBA. I couldn't tell you. There's so many good players, but like, who is the face of the NBA? Who's the best player? Who's like this guy that's, you know, going to run the NBA for the next 10, 15 years? I don't know if we have that right now. And the question is, do we need a face of the NBA? I feel like the face of the NBA is like usually like the global ambassador, like the guy who's recognized all over the place and stuff like that. So do we have that? Do we need that? I don't know. But if we do need one, who is the guy? LeBron's up there in age. I still think he, he kind of technically is the face of the NBA. Because he hasn't completely fallen off. And I don't think he ever will to kind of be out of the conversation. Sure, I, and if he's still around in two, three years, he's not going to be averaging 25. I don't think he'll be around 21, 22, or 20, whatever. But he's never going to be a guy who's going to average like eight or nine points a game. So I think technically he still is the face of the NBA. But if he's not, then who is? Steph Curry's getting up there in age. I don't really know if, if, if it's him. I would probably say no uh, to, to Steph. If I had to pick someone, you can have Luca up there, but Luca has to start winning as well. 
Like Luca hasn't even been to a conference finals, I don't think. So he's got to start winning some more. But he's got everything else. He's got the swagger. He's got talks a lot on the court. Outstanding basketball player, first and foremost, is what you need. Still very, very young. But he's got to start winning again. He's he's one of those guys as well. Um, so again, another international guy. I think the perfect guy going forward would be uh, Victor Wembanyama. 19, rookie season. Expectations were super high. The best prospect since LeBron's been in the league. He's averaging, what, 20, 13, and like three and a half. Like those are crazy numbers for, those would be crazy numbers for a guy who's in year 10. He's a rookie and a 19-year-old. He hasn't even scratched the surface. He's playing less than 30 minutes a game. Can you imagine what he can do in like 35, 36 minutes? Now the team is very bad. The team is very bad. 11 and 44. Brutal. But I think that he's someone that, and I think we overlook him way too much. Like when we talk about this stuff, we overlook him a lot. Like Joel Embiid was definitely up there, but with what's happened to him this season and the injury, it's just very sad. I think that if he won the title this season and he came back strong and won back-to-back, I think that he would be in that conversation, face of the NBA. 100%. He has no weaknesses in his, in his offensive game. And he's defensively, he's, he's sound as well. If you asked me last year who I maybe had in as, as an outsider to possibly be the face of the NBA, I probably would have said Paulo Banquero. Just as a complete outsider. Like 100 to 1 odds. I would have had Pablo. But I think Wembanyama is just like the perfect guy. Still very young, very good in his first season. You surround him with some players, like more veteran players, and they have a excellent team going forward. So if I had to pick someone right now, but but that's like a that's like a work in progress. Like, are we do we need a face of the NBA before Wemby gets there? Or are we picking one for right now? Because I think the two answers are a little bit different. Because right now, I don't think we can anoint anyone as of right now. You know what I mean? And if I had to go with a default, I'm still going to take LeBron as the face of the NBA. Followed closely by Steph. And then after that, it's kind of open. Like I said, you can have Luka there, but he's got to start winning. Wemby's had a great rookie season, but his team is very bad and he needs way more help than what he currently has on that team. So if I had to pick one right now, I think Luca is looking like the like the guy who's who is next up. But he's got to start winning soon. Like I'm talking about this season or next season. Because it's going to get too late for him as well. So that's a guy that I would have as of right now. And then in two, three years, we'll, we will evaluate where Wemby is and then... It could be Wemby's league. But I think in the next 10, 15 years, if it's not Luke or Wemby, I think we're gonna I think we're gonna have a either a bunch of different faces of the, NBA, of the NBA where it's like a different guy every three or four years, or we're just gonna have no face of the NBA. And we're just gonna like faceless we're gonna be the faceless NBA where it's just no one's the face of the NBA. We just have a bunch of really damn good players. Which, honestly, could be the case as well. Like I said, I don't think anyone's really stood out. 
I like Tatum for what he what he said. He wants to be the face of the NBA, but he's got to start winning. Like I said, he's got to put together some winning seasons, or sorry, some titles. So that's an interesting conversation that a lot of people are having, and it, it, it it's something interesting to talk about. I usually don't like getting into that stuff, um, but it, it's definitely an interesting topic. Like Nikola Jokic doesn't want to be the face of the NBA. He barely wants to be on the court, let alone the face of the NBA. But there's a lot of guys who would embrace it. I think Anthony Edwards would embrace it. But how hungry is he? And I think that's pretty much the only American. Like if John Moran could come back, I think if you ask the question of who's the face of the NBA two, three years ago, a lot of people would have said John Morant. But he's got to mature a little bit, clean up his act, and once he gets back, and I think he will do all that stuff, I'm betting on him. He could be right back in, in you know, in the fold there as the next guy, as the next uh, face of the NBA. There's no reason why he can't. He's still very young, man. He's like 24, 25, whatever, 26, doesn't matter. Still a very young dude. And there's no reason. He's exciting. He's above the rim. And that team could be exciting again next season once he gets back. They're just absolutely riddled with injuries this season. I think they've lost like the most man games to injuries. So yeah. That's the podcast for today. Hope you guys enjoyed listening. Remember you can catch this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, CastBox, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Overcast, Pocket Casts and Radio Public. Thank you guys for tuning in, and we'll catch up again down the road. Take care.